This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome, welcome, welcome to F1 with DRS. I'm Max Verstappen. I am joined by Charlie Curtis, Matthew Collins, Jethro Bowington. Hello. Good morning. You're a little winded. Look, if you're just listening to this and not watching it, you're doing yourself an enormous disservice. <laughs> yeah, you got to stop now. Go ahead and open that app up. Look Take at Spotify <laughs> ASAP to see that I have poured myself into Max Verstappen's actual fire suit we are in the cool down room right now doing max's least favorite thing podcast <laughs> Ch- chatting yeah chatting <laughs> chatting with other people <laughs> is, is that his actual overalls you fit in them fit in them yeah with uh, an asterisk next to it yeah, i, I mean the fit but, but in the same way i can wear my daughter's t-shirts in a pinch <laughs> i guess <laughs> i thought your voice would sound like you're just sucked in a helium balloon or something <laughs> right. welcome 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 well he couldn't even put on his shoes it was so tight he just well, said screw it can't yeah, if i were no. to bend down to try to get the shoes on the whole backside would be, become exposed but i was look i was told from our friends over at red bull they gave us a couple of really cool things for the set that we're making which is a wing from the wing i don't know awesome rb18 or something i don't yeah. know what, what it's off of a steering wheel which yep. is crazy to the have coolest. And then Max's outfit. It says his name, right? Where is yeah, it did somewhere. Right yeah, here. it fell off. In the, oh, okay, right down here. Yeah. Right in the obliques. <laughs> <laughs> fell off. This was going to be hung behind us at some point, but I thought for the year-end recap, if ever there were a time to try to. For the first time. Live. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a, a better time to test it out <laughs> than to commit to it for an hour. Yeah. 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 I assume you um, insisted on one that he'd worn and also that it hadn't been washed since he'd worn it, seeing as you're such a Max fan. You're closer than ever than you probably thought you'd get. You're right. All those things happen. And I, I'm just nervous for the explosive reaction I might experience when Kristen gets a whiff of the pheromones that have transferred uh. to me because those are the pheromones <laughs> of a three time champion. That's right. Yeah. He might yeah. have peed in the suit. I, I'm fine with that. <laughs> Absolutely fine with yeah. that. <laughs> if I were to pee in the suit right now, you would see come immediately out the every... Yeah, come out the, <laughs> the neck and the cuffs. <laughs> okay, so breathing's challenging in it, but I think worth it. Do I look... How about this? Do I look like I could be a race car driver? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, great. Looks right. Yeah, at least a mechanic. It's not like when, if I were to put on a, a, a Matador's outfit, you'd be like, yeah, it's the wrong look for you. No, it lo- it fits. Yeah. And uh, I saw how snug it, it, it was, but it's it's hidden with the colors, the logo. It looks like it's made to be that way. 
yeah, tailored specifically to me. Because yeah. I think Max is going to wear it probably a little looser. So that's probably why it kind of fits. He has he to wants wear to be it. comfortable. Yes. There's no way one Where's could drive for 90 minutes <laughs> with this level of compression. In Qatar. Although... It would help with the G-forces for sure. It's like it's a flight, flight suit in a way. You're not going yeah. anywhere. No. Everything. All the blood's being shoved <laughs> right up into the face. How was everyone's weekend? Great. Weekend was great. It was a rare weekend where I didn't see anyone. Mm-mm. Yeah. What did mm-hmm. you guys do? You did the, the thing that I, you know, I'm not normally jealous of a lot of things, sure. but you 2 is my favorite band of all time. Oh, are they? Yeah. Well, because... I grew up very Christian, so we weren't allowed to listen to secular music, we called it. Yeah. And the first kind of music we were introduced to was U2, because my older sister started to listen to it. Yeah. And it was the first band I listened to that was non-Christian. Why was that being overlooked? I think that because they had general positive messages. I think my parents must have listened to it and been like, this is pretty reasonable. They're also, they were Christian. Yeah. There's a great doc that Letterman made about them. It got me reinterested in them. And one amazing part of the doc was they had been following this radical religious sect around Dublin. There was a kind of a charismatic leader they followed, and it was a branch of Christianity, but it had its own take on it. And there was a point early in the band's history where the leader sat the edge and Bono down and said, you guys are not on mission. Like, this is such a distraction, and you, wow. you have got to stop playing music. You're kind of fueling the thing we're fighting. And they quit, and oh. they were, like, wrestling with this decision for a long time. The edge particularly was, like, struggling with it. And out of nowhere, he said, the song Sunday Bloody Sunday just came into his head. And in that moment, he's like, there's no way that would have been put in my head if I was on the wrong path. Oh. And that that song and is basically their declaration that they're leaving that sect to be U2. It was really cool. Oh. Did you cry at the concert? Because I've cried at every concert I've been to of U2. With or without you just gets me. It gets you. Live. I didn't cry. I saved that for yesterday. Did a lot of crying yesterday. But oh. uh, no, it's just such a spectacle because it was in the sphere, which we were very hard-pressed to even get a full glance of on our entire weekend yeah. in Las Vegas. Um, but, it, you know, it it delivers, boy. That thing is... It, rad? Oh, it's incredible. It's hard not to be in there and think about what it would be like on Shrooms. Right. Or Mandy. Right. Yeah. Well, certainly half the people were. So you're looking around... Oh. Seeing their experiences, I'm sure. A couple in particular, in fact, were standing up. They were like just one section over, but in our same row. And they stood on their feet, making out passionately for the, the entire, entire time. Wonderful. two hours. I was like, <laughs> A, good on them for being able to resist taking their clothes off. I mean, that was a lot of foreplay. Two hours while on ecstasy. Yeah. And it didn't really escalate beyond. Yeah. Just a passionate makeout. Uh-huh. But they could have just listened to the album at that point. They could have like stayed home. Really sphere. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Was the sphere distracting? Like, were you watching a concert or were you watching a movie? A mix. A mix. The, I'll tell you what they were good at doing is they would give you a ton of spectacle and it would be overwhelming. You're definitely looking at that. How yep. could you not? And then they would make it really, really simple. Well, and you would focus on the band for a song or two. And then it would... So it was cool. They didn't like... By the way, I don't even know if two and a half hours of it at full pitch would be sustainable for a human. It's yeah. so overwhelming. Yeah. But I will say, so we were in seats, and then we had a chance to walk down to the floor to the for the last third of it, which I wasn't even up for. I'm like, why, don't, why are we going to walk? Or You know, I never want to do anything. 
And um, we went down there and I was so glad we did because then it was this entirely new perspective where you could get a sense that there are 18,000 people in there, which is really hard to believe when you're mm. in your seat. Yep. But when you're on the floor and you're looking up at how high it goes and then they also switched towards the last third of the show to like just the actual footage of what was around the sphere. Oh, yeah. So you truly felt like you were outside in the parking yeah. lot watching them. Wow. And then they did desert just down the road in the desert. Uh -huh. You felt like you were watching them in the desert. It was it was mind-blowing. It's 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 incredible that the monkeys on planet Earth figured out how to do cool. whatever the hell it was I just witnessed. That's so. cool. Did you guys come back that night? We did, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was there and back. And we ate at the buffet at oh. uh, the Wynn. You know, I love uh -huh. a buffet. People made fun of us for that. We were bumping into people, and they were like, you guys are going to a buffet, huh? It's went, good. <laughs> yes. Here's my two sales pitches of a buffet. You're on a schedule. We got to get to the show at 830. We've landed in Vegas. You control how long, how quickly you start eating. You walk in, I'll have a Diet Coke. We only have Diet Pepsi. Okay, I'll take that. And then you're up at the bar <laughs> making your plate. And you're with a group of people. You don't have to argue about what kind of food. They got everything. You just, just go, get what you want. Everyone's going to be happy. Mm -hmm. so, well, how about this? Also at a buffet, let's be realistic. No one's going to be extra happy. No one's going to have like the best steak of their life, the best crab right. legs of their but life. We're going for just an average. Everyone's okay. As everyone's opposed to having 70. someone being super pumped and someone pissed and not eating. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, everyone hit like a 78. I was at 87 because anytime it's all yeah. you can eat. Yeah. That's a, you get a bump from that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a spectacular night. And then, uh, and then last night was Lily's karaoke birthday party in Koreatown. Is that where you cried? Cried so much there. Uh, first of all, arrive in Koreatown at the venue, which is called the venue. It's, have you guys been there? No. Mm -hmm. It's so nice. It's it's almost impossible to imagine. It's very, very nice. The food's outrageously good. But anyways, there was, uh, I don't know, 15 teenage girls. I don't know if Lily's turning 14, maybe. Mm -hmm. So there's all these teenage girls. It's very uh, strobe lighty in there. Uh, it's way too cold for some reason. <laughs> Everything says this is going to be almost insufferable to yeah. get through. The reverb on the microphone And you don't is, like karaoke. I loved it when I was a drunk. I went twice a week when I was a drunk. I feel like it's come up a few times and you're like, why would I go listen to this very, <laughs> we'll even generously say average performance when I could on my phone listen to any of the real ones. Yes, yes. And and again, I think my my muscle memory is being at Dell Saloon where it's dark and you're hammered and then you get up and let it rip. Yep. But but being in a big bright box with yep. people is just foreign to me. Whatever. Yep. We go right away it starts. They should change the name of karaoke to just Taylor Swift. That's what it should oh, be yeah. called now yeah. because if you're going to go to karaoke with 15 teenagers, that's all that's going to be played. So I got to have the weird eras experience almost all over again oh. where I'm watching all these teenage girls sing these songs with a passion and to each other and the level of excitement they're all, oh my God, it was, and then watching Lily and I was having this moment of like, oh yeah, when we met Lily, she was like an eight-year-old little girl. Now yeah. she, this is incredible and she's belting. So tears, 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 tears. And then the finale was Delta and Kristen singing a song from Frozen. Mm-hmm. With all of their might and heart. And I was like, I can't believe Kristen gets to sing this song with her little girl yeah, yeah. as a duet. It was too much. I was like, oh my God, life can be so sweet sometimes. Oh, that's fun. Oh, so it was lovely. I didn't want to go. And then I didn't want to leave. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of music this weekend. How about you guys? Oh, let's see. Saturday, spent most of the day with Wilder. We went 
hiking in the morning. Can I throw out real quick, if you haven't been to Charlie's page to watch he and Wilder review protein bars from Costco, you're missing the very best content of 2023. And then we went to Costco. You did? Yeah. That's your spot now. I don't know. Every once in a while, I get an urge to go to Costco. So we went, had these protein bars, and then, yeah, we reviewed protein bars in the car. Oh, have you watched them? Yeah. Oh, they're the greatest. What a good sidekick you have. Yeah. Oh, we went to a chain fest. Rob got me some tickets to this uh, food festival. Oh. And it's all these chefs. They're all like Michelin star chefs. One chef really oh, runs it's one it, chef. Tim Hollinsworth. He's the uh, OTM guy that the restaurant we went to. I love Rob so much. It's uh, <laughs> a food festival. So this chef recreates items from fast food chains. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. So we had Jack in the Box, Sonic, <gasps> Red Robin, Panda Express. Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut. Chilies. What was the offering from Jack in the Box? The ultimate. Uh, that was the best one, and it was a taco. The taco. And it was it was so good, and somehow tasted like Jack in the Box. Like it looked like it, tasted like it, but it was like Wagyu beef. There's a magic to the Jack in the Box. Not to again bring it back to drinking and uh, karaoke, but boy, those tacos <laughs> when you are hammered at three a.m. they you can, can get stop like twenty up some of those. Yes. Ten bucks, give me oh, twenty. And I always got it with the uh, the buttermilk dipping. Ranch dipping sauce, so hot sauce, and then clunk the whole thing in a big bucket of buttermilk. Oh, and that's about all we did. Um, Matt, just went to a friend Bobby's house for dinner last night. It was great, little Christmas dinner, and watched this documentary all together called What Happened to Baby Holly. Oh, you guys know about the story? This girl was like, they found two people murdered 40 years ago. They found their bodies 40 years later. They found out who it was with DNA, contacted the parents, and they're like, okay, that's my son and his wife. Where's the baby? They're like, baby? There was no baby here. No one knows still what happened, but they found this woman 40 years later in Tulsa, and she had no idea. She just knew she was adopted. Oh, wow. But there was, we still don't know what happened after that, who murdered the parents and who gave the child to someone. Oh, wow. Pretty mm. wild story. Anyone yeah. start uh, Love One? Love is One? What is that one? There's one called Twin Flames that's similar to that. That's, yes, yes. Oh, it's just, I hate, because there's going to be no end to it. These are crazy people doing crazy things, and they're still doing it. And I looked at their Instagram on the And Twin they're thriving. Flames. They're like, oh, this is all fabricated. But no, you're encouraging people to stalk people. Like, it would be like, Jethro is single, and they're like, who's your twin flame? And you're like, well, I dated this girl four years ago. I really loved her, but she's married now. And they're like, that's your twin flame. You need to go after her right now. (laughs) Then you go after her. She gets a restraining order against you. And then they're like, no, you need to still go after her. Is this a real concept? This this happens? Yes. And on that topic, I consulted them, and I hate to tell you, Jethro, you are my twin flame. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, you batten down the hatches. (laughs) I'm I'm going to storm the walls. Well, I won't get a uh, restraining order. Don't worry, Dax. But I am going to take you for half of your money. That is for fucking sure. (laughs) As you should, as you should. That's why Charlie's fixing to kill me. (laughs) I did some um, sim driving. You did not. not, I didn't do real sim driving, but I got a little insight into Matt's world. So mostly my weekend was Christmas decorations, which... um, my wife loves to do it's her favorite thing it's like halloween the way you treat halloween she treats christmas um but then my son rocco who's like 16 has got a xbox i guess it is and he 
brought his steering wheel set up over and everything. Mm. And we had a challenge on, we did a bit of F1, but I could beat him on that pretty easy because I know all the tracks and all that stuff. But then we did a NASCAR one and you could race on dirt. So it was like a cross between NASCAR and rally. It wasn't just an oval. It was like a some sort of dirt racetrack. So we had a good couple of hours exchanging fastest laps on there, which is, I have to say, deeply addictive and annoying that he eventually beat me. Oh, good for him. Uh, (laughs) I love that you love that. But it's funny. It was almost like real life. You do a lap time. Let's say you do, I can't remember what I did. I did like a 112 something. And I was like, yeah, that's about as quick as it'll get. And then he did like a 111.8 or something. And I was like, shit, I've got to find a second or something. And then you sit there and you find a second. I did like a 111.7 or something. And then I'm like, well, that's it. Can't go any quicker. And you feel yourself, you know, genuinely trying on every lap, wanting to escape every time you've done a a mistake and start again. So it was actually really good fun. And it was nice to see him actually really enjoy cars. So I said, I need to buy him a car and teach him to drive properly because he's getting to 17 is the legal age in the UK. So I need to get him to drive a manual by the time it's his 17th birthday. Your Porsche is a stick, yeah? Yeah. But you're not going to show him on that, are you? It used to be in the old days, you could go rent something to teach your kids so that you could blow out the, the clutch on the Hertz rental vehicle. But now you I, you can't really rent a, a manual. I don't think I don't think so. I mean, I will buy him a cheap car because he was he was saying, "Oh, what should I get as my first car?" And I was like, "It doesn't matter. You're going to crash it. So something <laughs> cheap and that that is vaguely safe, so that you don't die when you first crash it." So yeah, I think that's the next step. We'll start car shopping for him. Wow, oh, boy. That's have you fun. driven? I was asking Dax the other day. Have you driven one of the new Supras? I have. Yep. And what's it, what's it like? Because in this in the GT game, I drive it, and it's one of the most fun cars to drive. Yeah, they're all right. Okay. They're not they're not as cool as they look. Okay, so this is the uh, year-end summary, and Charlie proposed a very good list of questions. I hope everyone was diligent in filling them out. I hope the author of the questions was. I filled mine out. Okay, great. Everyone's got answers? Yeah. Okay, so maybe, um, Charlie, lead us through these questions. I'm going to have to get my answers up. What well, is the end of the year? And looking back, it, there's a lot that happened. When I was looking at the questions, there's so many things that I just forgot about or feel like seasons and seasons ago. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. But I'll also add, I'm, it was occurring to me that I don't have the memory for this type of thing. Like, I'll be listening yeah. to Peter Atia talk, and he'll be talking about a race in 2019 at this track when this happened. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't have that memory. I don't know what it is. Or even if I do, I can't place it like that. Like, I can't give you the, the situation, the time, the date. All of that. I had to go read through my notes for each episode that we've done to remind myself of the fun things that happened. Mm -hmm. Same. Yeah. Okay, good. That's reassuring. I feel less than quite often when I hear people (laughs) referencing uh, Interlago 89. Lap yep. six. Yeah. It's because we feel the racing Dax. We feel it in our souls. We oh, don't we yeah. don't think about it in our brains. We we react to the emotions and the um the triumph mm. and disaster. It's not analytical for us. Yes. It's very emotional. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's instinctive. All right. I guess we'll just start at the top with what was the biggest surprise this season? It could be a overall surprise, um, a single race surprise, but what was the biggest surprise for you this season? Go ahead, Matt. I think it's it's Oscar Piastri. He kind of came in on a negative foot from what happened last year with like the contract switch and all that kind of stuff. And it was also he kind of took the seat of Danny. Which, yeah, I was inclined to hate him. Inclined to hate him. And yeah. then like right away comes in and just right off the bat just started to do well and was like, even if McLaren was low, he was not far from Lando at all, which was shocking. 
and then continued to just do what he did and to win the sprint race. And it was incredible. And I just fell in love with his, like, sarcastic, kind of dry, dry. He, I was listening to the Oscar episode this morning. Oh, right yeah, here, yeah. And it was just, it was really great. I also loved when you started to talk about RC cars. And that was the moment that he was, like, right away, like, Okay, now, now, man, like he got so pumped. Yeah, I went from a, an obligation to like there was a little crack. Of, yeah, and he was like, "It's fun." What do you say? He's like, "It's it's fun to talk to someone who knows about that world." Because yeah, I don't like think that. he probably <laughs> no. finds that a lot. Like even yeah. I think Ocon races them, and and Lewis. Right? Let's be honest, it's the original sim. Like you want to talk about something dorky? Yeah. Like you have this sure. miniature little car. You're you're pretending you're somehow in it while it's driving. It is kind of the original yeah, sim. Right. If you guys watch drone race. Racing? Yes. Oh, oh, that's the thing that I'm like, I don't, is this real? Is this yeah, CGI? Yeah. Have you watched it, Jethro? <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. It's not, I mean, I love remote control cars. They're the greatest thing ever. But yeah, the drones take it to another level and like the stuff they're going through. They're the in those warehouses and they're flying like 95 miles an hour yeah. and turning on a dime. I, I, yeah, it's nuts. Now, I don't believe that you could easily transfer from sim to F1, but I think the drone operators could probably hop in an F1 car. Yeah. Because talk about Reaction the time. response of the yeah. time is insane. Yeah. Okay, that's a good one. My my number one biggest surprise was um, for me, obviously, Danny returning. That was so unforeseen. Mm, yeah. I think the couple times we got to interview him this year for the show, it was clearly going to be a year of reflection. That was that. Like it wasn't even on the table. And then you know he has this incredible test session post. Was it Silverstone? Maybe again. Here's my yeah. lack of memory. But, uh, yeah, one crazy test session where he was driving fast enough to have been in the front row. And next thing you know, he's at Alpha, which is crazy. And granted, they're the same kind of parent company, but he wasn't even the Alpha backup driver. He was right. at Red Bull with the idea that he certainly wouldn't be needed. And so everything just seemed like, yeah, this was a coasting year. And Yeah. And even if I think of Red Bull's incentive he's the greatest face to have out there representing the brand and all these pr requirements go visit ford go to here so they seemed very disincentivized yeah. to pull him out of that role so that was a, a big shocker no one looked upset when i said that which leads me to believe we have four different ones which i thought was going to be impossible i thought you might have mine but you don't um my biggest surprise was max his domination just, it started off looking like they had the best car. He was driving it really well, and it just kept going. And that was shocking. I mean, looking, he broke every record, led every single lap more or less, got every point out Drove there. Drove every lap? Yeah. I mean, just everything, it was a given <laughs> in a sport where there's not many givens. Like, he was going to probably take pole, probably get fastest lap, probably win every single week. Uh, it was boring. Yeah. But it was a surprise. And like from the beginning, you know, it looked like they had a fast car and it just kept that gap kept extending and extending out. So that was my yeah. big surprise. And he made the crazy right calls every time. I was just surprised there was no DNFs. Like I just, None. that was my biggest surprise that I was like, he's going to dominate, but there's going to be four weekends where something happens to his car. And then that didn't happen. I wonder what happens to him mentally between this year and next year, because I can't even imagine with his indomitable spirit that even he's imagining he'll ever tie what he did this year. Like to know at 27 or whatever the hell age he is, that that was probably the greatest year of your career and the other ones will be chasing. That has yeah. to be a little bit of a weird mental. It's like directing Pulp Fiction 
in like as your first yeah yeah yes, yeah. yes, yes yeah, he should have definitely tanked the last six races so he had something, something. to go for yeah because yeah but leading a thousand laps you know 19 wins this is probably the apex of his whole life which is a precarious but he's had both now hasn't he which is unusual to have such a close fight in 21 with lewis so he knows how much fun that is and now he's had total domination so he might just think i'll have another couple of these maybe i'll have a year when it's really close and i'm gonna win maybe i'll have another dominating year i think he's had all flavors of championships already so i think he's probably just ready for the Mm. next one well and let's hope it's that that he he misses battling that would be the best outcome it's just he'll go yeah that was great for my legacy now i want to race again yeah maybe he's just like all right i checked the box for the records all in one year got him out of the way now now (laughs) we can we can race yeah Yeah. Yeah. Redoing their whole car next year. Everything is changing on their car. For so 2024, yeah, for 2024, they're, they Chris and Horner said they're changing everything. So who knows? Uh, who it could go good, but it could also who knows? They could do what McLaren did at the beginning of the season and yeah. did have a shitty car. Maybe it's obviously going to get better if it's shitty, but who knows? But Jethro was pointing this out at the very beginning of the year. It's like when there are these dynasties, it seems unimaginable that Mercedes somehow can struggle now for three years, which. It, it, it is, but I, I have bought into the Red Bull fantasy, which is like, well, this they, they, I mean, I'm <laughs> the embodiment of the Red Bull fantasy, but yeah. they could falter. Yeah, yeah. You're messing with, you're fixing something that's certainly not broken. It's just getting yeah. caught. Mm-hmm. Jethro, what was your biggest surprise? Well, I think collectively our biggest surprise was P10 every single race. <laughs> 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 not, not quite every race for you guys, but Yeah, that was uh, difficult. I had two. One was a little glimmer of hope, which was how bad Verstappen and Red Bull were at Singapore, which was out of the blue. They knew the car didn't suit them, but to qualify like 11th and then struggle, I know he ended up fifth, was a big one. But the bigger one and the most disappointing one was the start of the year that Mercedes continued with their completely doomed concept, Um, having had the worst year they'd had forever. They decided to just, double up on that concept and go for it again and it just seemed completely illogical lewis said it was completely against his wishes that he told them that it wasn't the right direction it gave them a car that effectively did exactly the same as the worst car they've ever built but to a slightly better level it caused mike elliott to leave and loads of personnel changes and it just seemed weird that mercedes who for so long had been so dominant okay, they make one mistake, but the beauty of those organizations is that they're, and the whole point of F1 is that they're incredibly agile and they can correct mistakes. And these are like elite guys who've been at the top of their game and they just repeat exactly the same mistakes. It's like they always say the definition of madness is repeating the same mistakes. Well, they literally did the same thing. It just blows my mind. Yeah, and expecting different outcomes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just amazing they did that. And uh, it was disappointing for all of us, I think, because, you know, maybe Red Bull will get caught next year. But like Lewis said at the end of it, he said they haven't changed their car since August and they won the last race by 17 seconds and they haven't changed their car because they've been working on their new one. So he's like, we're just starting basically where they were two years ago with this new concept. So it is slightly scary for next year. I have my fingers crossed it won't go that way, but it's scary. Yeah. Stay tuned for more F1 with DRS. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. 
I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Okay, uh, next question was... Biggest flop. Mm-hmm. Biggest flop of the year. We have to all have the same answer, but let's go in order. You know, uh, I'll save the, the answer because that would be my first, and I'm going to go... Actually, there, I think we have three options on this one. Oh, interesting. Um, I'm going to go, and it's it's not a horrible flop, but, like, if I think of, like, Checo's season, I think Checo oh. is an incredible driver. He really is. And what I think is the flop is his mental game just got destroyed. And it's just like Max's teammates have just consistently had serious blocks in what they can do mentally because we're just dealing with such a small variation of timing to win versus being at the last. Like many of these qualifying sessions, the top to bottom was so wildly close, Mm -hmm. but he just wasn't in his mental game this year and it screwed him up even though he got second which is like it seems great but i think he could have done a lot better and i think checo's got more in him and i don't know i'd like to see next year him come in has a great off season kind of just swipes it all under the table maybe doesn't come in and want to beat max and maybe with that mentality of not wanting to beat max maybe max has a little bit more competition from checo next year That'd be fun to watch. Uh, for me, it's definitely Nick DeVries. That feels <laughs> yeah. like the obvious answer. Uh, I, I, I hesitate in saying it because I actually, you know, I, I totally feel bad for him, man. What a, what a, what a heartbreaking year mm-hmm. for him after dedicating his entire life to it. Um, the only reason I'm willing to say it out loud is it's the flop nature of the question because it was the bravado yes. and yeah, arrogance leading up to it and the condescension to Yuki that makes me think, well, it's an actual flop because there was a, there was a, a very, a there was some hype and a, and a promise uh, and some arrogance. It was hubris. It was hubris. Maybe it was biggest hubris, but yeah. Um, I was tempted to go with the sprint format as my biggest. Flop. Oh, that would have mm. been a good one. Which, uh, they changed, and I don't think for the better. So maybe we'll see another one. But I went with George Russell as my oh, flop. Whoa. Wow. He, uh, you know, they didn't have a great car, but he still, he only had two podiums, one being on the last race. Uh, he's pretty, also with that arrogance and ego, like he thinks he's the shit over there. Lewis didn't have a contract at the beginning of the year. So like, I don't know. It just had this sense that this could be George's time to kind of take over, yeah. lead that team. Um, he was eighth in the driver's standing, 60 points behind Lewis. I don't think he delivered. And it really sealed it for me on that last race when he acted like he, he was doing everything mm-hmm. for the team and he saved the team. Single-handedly. Single-handedly. Yeah. And it's like, that was my, my <laughs> flop. 
You take such pleasure in it as well. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, Schadenfreude. It's that sweet mixture of (laughs) judgment and vindication. Yeah, I think they're good. I probably would have gone for DeVries, but without that, I'll just go for Haas as a team. They're just a disaster. Their upgrade, which they labeled like the biggest ever in-season upgrade they've ever done, was actually sent them backwards. Holgenberg took it off the car. Yeah, they're just rubbish. And in a time where all the manufacturers are getting together and saying Andretti and Cadillac will not add anything to the championship, when you've got someone like Haas going round and going backwards and just, I love Gunther Steiner, obviously. I would love to see them do well, but it's it was a shit show this year for them. And they were literally the definition of a flop as well. Mm. And a shame because I love Hulkenberg. I think he's cool. He, he did brilliantly, I thought, in the car for the whole season. But yeah, just not a cool team. Do you attribute it to leadership or to budget? I think it must be the way they go racing. They take so much from Ferrari. And if Ferrari start off on a, a bad path, then they're sort of screwed. But Ferrari have the resources to get themselves out of that hole. Yeah. And Haas don't. So they're they end up with this huge penalty. They kind of have to get it right, right? There's the, like They get kind of one swing at it because they blow their budget, and if they're wrong, that's that. Yeah, and they get everything from Ferrari. They get so much of the car from Ferrari, and if Ferrari make a bad decision, like I say, Ferrari can find their way out of it, but it's much more difficult for those guys. But yeah, it's, it's a shame because we want everyone on the grid to be closing up, but they always look like they were just falling off the back. It's a good pick. All right, favorite moment from mm. the season. Favorite moment. I'll have two different things. Personally, Ron Fell's racing school. Best <laughs> moment that we've had this year. Oh, I think great. that was oh, just incredible. What a great shout. Um, what a great shout, Matt. So that was good. But uh, I think my favorite moment was, where was it? Hungary? The rain race, where it was like a million safety cars. <laughs> and that Liam Lawson, that was his first race, I think. And he's in that race. And it was just like, just pandemonium. The whole race was just... It was just fun to watch because you didn't know what was going to happen. Everyone was screwing up. There was just countless different things. And I think that was the one, that was the first moment of the year where we're like, Max, there could be something happen or he could spin out or something could happen. And I don't know. I just loved that race. It was yeah. A lot of fun. Um, I like the personal angle. I would say the night swim at Barton Springs for Austin, probably my favorite, or tied with yeah. the Ron Fellows. Me and Charlie, not so much just because we suffered from, we were eaten alive. Yeah. We were, I was itching. You weren't eating enough Dairy Queen. That yeah, was the problem. Was, it wasn't coming out of your skin Charlie yet. ate a lot of it. <laughs> I was like, are your ankles eaten alive? Like oh, I had yeah, 40 yeah. bites and we weren't, I don't know, it wasn't that long we were there right. for. My favorite moment uh, would be easily predicted by everyone here. Uh, Max coming in on lap 70 in Austria with 23.9 seconds of an advantage to get new tires so that he could set the fastest lap and got it. Despite all the announcers claiming that he's making the biggest mistake of his career. And then within a minute, 19 seconds later, they're like, he's the biggest legend to ever live. (laughs) What a moment. What a moment. Uh, I think mine is Singapore. That whole last five laps with science holding everyone off. Just We had everyone in the top. We had Norris up there, George, Lewis, Max was coming up through the pack. Just so much of that race was exciting, um, unlike any race we saw all year. Yeah. Um, and pick. then that was also when Science came over the radio telling his engineers he knew what he was doing, <laughs> leaving that short gap. You know, they wanted to, him to extend it out in front. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm keeping him back there to give everyone DRS to, to keep him back. Yeah. 
It was awesome. George put it in the wall with the two laps to go. And the whole thing was just like, it was great racing. That was a good that one. Was, that was fun. Jethro? Yeah, I would say personally, obviously, Ron Fellows was great. But also just watching Quali at the um, Red Bull Energy Center at Vegas GP was yeah. pretty cool. I loved that. Like, that was my first race, my only race of the season. And... It was cool to see this event that looked like it was teetering on the edge of disaster suddenly turn into something really, really Mm -hmm. good. So I enjoyed that a great deal. Um, But I think one of my most amusing moments was Ocon and Gasly crashing into each other (laughs) in Australia in that chaotic (laughs) race where there was like three restarts, red flags all over the place, um, people crashing everywhere. It was one of the first times we saw Max get overtaken off the start and then by Hamilton as well. So there's loads going on. And much as we love Alpine, obviously, um, and the new owners, the Ocon-Gasly thing sort of summed up Alpine in in one second, Mm. didn't it? They were... There's two laps to go after this restart. They finally look like they might score Weren't some they double in points. Like every, fifth and sixth or something like that, yeah, too? Yeah, everyone's crashed yeah. off. And so they're suddenly in like fifth and sixth place and they crash into each other. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is Alpine. That is Alpine in three seconds. Oh, yeah. Also, the Ferrari battle in Monza was incredible. With yeah. Sainz and Leclerc like going just side by side in that first Locking corner. Up and, oh, my God. Yeah, had that been Ocon and uh, Gasly, they would have been gone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we have teams. Biggest winner and biggest loser mm-hmm. as a team. Okay, I'm going to go Alphatari at the beginning of the season. Is the winner or the loser? The winner. Did we go in winner first? Or are we going to do them both at the same Let's time? Let's do both. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm going to go Alphatari. It's just, they were abysmal at the beginning of the year. We thought nothing was going to happen. Then they had the driver switches, and then Ricardo was back, and then Liam was in, and then we started to kind of see it pick back up. And just to move from, like, last in the championship to even where they're at, like, I think it was seventh they finished, was just, that was a huge moment. Even though it doesn't seem that big, that's a lot of money that was added to it. And I think that things really started to pick up, and they were fighting, like, seeing Yuki get start in six in the final race was crazy. I think no one expected that, and they were two places away from being above Williams, which I think is a big upgrade for them. This they time. were eighth for what it's worth. Yeah. They finished eighth. Yeah. And your loser? Biggest loser of a team, I think, has to be Austin Martin because they just, there was so much hope. We all thought this is going to bring the fight to Max. And it, they didn't finish that badly, but it just went downhill quick. They maybe had a couple shining moments in the last couple of races, but it, just was so disappointing because we thought that Fernando was just going to be yeah. taking it to max the whole year, and it just didn't end up that way. So, Well, I think the biggest winner um, was McLaren, obviously towards the end of the season. But I'll say in the short time we've been watching for whatever that is, five years, McLaren is so storied, and you're so aware of the history. But the entire time I've been watching, I'm like, that's that does they don't even have the same DNA. There's nothing that hints at storied champions over the last five years with McLaren. Well, this is like those cycles we were talking about. We got into it at the bottom of their cycle. Yes. And there's no, in my mind, there's no way they could be competitive. I know. They just can't. They, they don't can't know how do to it, do it. But yeah. for everyone else, they are just historically one yeah. of the, you know, landmark teams. Yeah. And the same thing with Williams. How they were like one of the most winning teams in history. And we were like, what? Williams won? Yeah, so this was the first time I actually could buy into that notion, you know, whatever the last seven races or something where I yeah. felt like, oh, they have something. They know something. They have an angle. 
I think so much of this is all like everyone's roughly doing the same thing. There has to be some inspired angle that's being pursued that's going to be novel and different. And something about the car was working so much different than all the cars. The way it, they went out on the hards that at that one point when no one could heat up their mm. tires and it was the right call. Like that was some championship stuff to, to go like this is out of the box and it's totally working. And then, ironically, I would my my pick for biggest loser team of the year is Alphatari. Mm. I just think there's it's insane to me that they finished eighth. That that they would be, you know, third to last team on the grid as a sister team to Red Bull, and the notion that they didn't knock off any of the designs seems so willfully and blatantly stupid it's kind of unimaginable <laughs> they're like they're next to the people who have it all figured out and they're like no no we're gonna be a coach works team that does makes our own why so that you can so that what your discoveries can trickle where yeah d d up to red bull i don't i don't know how i mean they're changing it that they've admitted yeah. now that they're they're it's not going to do that anymore but it does make you question Whose fucking genius idea this was from the jump? Uh -huh. That like if one of the two teams has figured something out, we're gonna ignore that out of what the pride of its individual fingerprint. I don't know. I think it's like a shameful finish yep. for a sister team of the best team. It's yeah. crazy. Um, I had McLaren as the biggest winner too. I think everything you said, but also they have their drivers. They yeah. Piastri worked. Um they compete and race well against each other, also with each other. Um, they're both young. They seem to have it dialed, especially they didn't start off that well. And then when they made those upgrades and they brought those, I think it was to Silverstone, they were instantly competitive and they've kind of stayed there. Um, so I think that's promising for them. That's a great forward. point. It's shocking the drivers never lost the belief or the will. It's mm -hmm. like when they finally had the car, the fact that they immediately showed up and raced competitively as opposed to like, Charles, where it was looking like he was accepting his destiny at different points in the season. Yep. They didn't seem to ever accept their destiny. Mm -mm. And they're both young. They both presumably have long careers. And so I think they're kind of dialed for a little bit. I hope. Yeah, yeah. I hope. Um, and then my biggest loser was Aston Martin. Mm -hmm. Kind of the same thing, just because they started so high. Um, they had 175 points in the first nine races and only 105 in the last 13. Ooh. So they really just fell off. They finished fifth in Constructors. You know, Alonzo was on the podium six out of the first eight. Like, they started off being the only competitor for Red Bull and then disappeared in the middle of the season. Yeah. Um, so. It's was, like McLaren and them swapped cars. They swapped, at the yeah. same moment. Yeah, <laughs> they did, yeah. So that, they went from being an easy second place, maybe they could steal a few wins, to just nowhere. Yeah. So. I had to go with Red Bull as the biggest mm -hmm. winner. I mean, they're so far and away better than everyone else at the moment. It's vaguely embarrassing for a sport where they're trying to equalize everything with the same amount of budget for everyone and wind tunnel restrictions if you start winning, etc. They're just, they're miles ahead. And even when they're driving with one and a half drivers instead of two, they win everything so easily. Um, and yeah, shout out to my man, Adrian Newey again, because he just comes up with the car every single time yeah. and people say well it's a team game and you're like yeah it is a team game but it's a big coincidence that this guy is always at the right team when they're winning <laughs> yeah. huge streaks of championships like that is not it can't be a coincidence so red bull big winner worst team i'm gonna say merc because i think they were so stubborn and pig-headed to mm. stick with that concept yeah. and then 
abandon it halfway through the year and basically they've thrown away two seasons when they could have been on the on the path to recovery so and they, they were so up and down it was like they if they were quick they didn't know why they were quick if they were slow they didn't know why they were slow and that doesn't give me any confidence that they really know what they're doing because your simulations and it, and wind tunnel and everything should be telling you what tracks you'll be good at, what you'll be bad at. But for them, it seemed a bigger surprise to them as it was to everyone else. So I would say they were the the loser team. Yeah, it's almost impossible they finished second in the constructors. It, it's so kind of confusing to see them there. Yeah. Yeah, I think Lewis did a really good job, actually. Like yeah. whenever they had the opportunity or he had the car underneath him, he would he would get the most out of it. He had quite a few off weekends, but that, again, that was the nature of the car. It would flip-flop between suiting George or suiting Lewis. But when it did suit him, he always got the result. Um, but yeah, just pig-headedness. It's just a really weird... F1 is about going in the direction that clearly works. It's about making the right decision at the right time every single time. And to know that you made the wrong decision and stick with it for another full season just seems really stupid to me. I do think there's probably some really interesting organizational psychology stuff going on at these teams because as much as that's true, they have like a very clear directive to, to do what's working. I also think all these places suffer from cults of personality and like halo effect. There, There is someone in the team they're all kind of looking to and believing in. And if that one human, I do think... There are people in these teams that have the ability to persuade everyone to go down a wrong path, you know? I just feel like if it if it were truly some kind of a democracy at these teams, there's no way it wouldn't have been changed earlier. It just leads me to believe somebody, uh, somebody's blind belief in the plan is what was what carrying if, yeah. everyone what in that direction. What if it's Toto? I, I, I hate to think that that could be it, I but know. yeah, it could be. There's always someone that knows more, too. We're talking about aerodynamics and all this engineering. At some point, you answer to someone higher and higher that knows a little more, yeah. and they're bound to make a mistake. But if they stand by it, you have no way to check them or call yeah. them. You're like, I guess he's all in on this. And he probably, yeah, the personality is such that you can convince the rest of the team that oh, we're just a couple tweaks away from yeah. this being perfect. Well, it has the illusion of being the ultimate technical endeavor, but there, it's also humans doing the technical yeah, endeavor. Yeah. So it's actually not as objective as you might expect it to be when you're investing $500 million in something. You would think yeah. there'd be a bulletproof system. Yeah. All right, now it gets gruesome. Now we got biggest winner, biggest loser for drivers. Oh, it's going to get personal. I think the most obvious, obviously, is Max. Like, it was incredible. We've talked about it all season long. I don't know if there's much more to say about it um, than fantastic. Um, so I'm going to pick someone else who, less likely, but a guy who came in, went into a car, and, and relatively killed it is Liam Lawson. He only had a few short races. He came in on the craziest race of the year proved himself in a really horrible car and did some incredible things. Unfortunately, with F1, that doesn't mean he has a seat. He might not have a seat for two years. It's like, I saw this meme this year that was like, here's what you get for winning F2, a headset and a shirt. And you get to stand in the paddock and watch for two years, which is crazy. If like, if you're the best college quarterback by far, you're guaranteed a starting role the next year. But it's just, F1 is just so strange. So I'm going to pick Liam for that. Uh, worst who just re-signed in Williams is Logan Sargent. And, hey, I hope being an American and he does better next year, but it's not great. Rocky start, Rocky start. Rock, real Rocky start. <laughs> and then it was like, I saw this video of their principal talking when in the re-signing and he pulls this picture from the table and he's like, 
this is the moment I knew. And it was Logan getting carried off after Qatar. And he's like, this is the moment I knew that we were going to resign you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Interesting. Why? Oh, okay. That was the good. one would. All right. Like, I'm sure it was really rough in the car. I don't know what that would feel like to be there. But, like, you were throwing up and or doing different, like, you were going to die in, in the car place. and you were in last place. And, <laughs> and we knew this is our know, guy. This is our guy. This is you knew. It's like, okay, so that's mine. We knew we wanted wind tunnel time and we knew you were our guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I have biggest winner uh, this season is Fernando Alonso. I, I just yeah. think that at 42 years old, to have the season he had, to have the amount of podiums he had in the wake of so long without any of that. If you would have pulled us last year and we were asked to put the drivers in order of current talent, I don't think Alonzo makes anyone's top six. I just, I don't think it does. But having seen him this year, I think he's he's 100% top three driver. I mean, he, yeah. is, in, he is so dependable and fast and, and, and you imagine him in a great car. And at his age, it's just so impressive. And all that mediocrity that he had for so long, and it hasn't changed how he drives at all. Like, you'd think something would be dulled in that period, but you put him in a quick car and he switches on. He's like a light switch. He's just back to being as good as he always was. Yeah, you'd expect to see the race intelligence chart in the way it has, like his his, his ability to predict strategy and do all these things. But you would expect a decline in his willingness to battle and that is not the case. He, he I mean, he, you do not want to pass him. And if he's behind you, you're fucked. Yep. Like, he's a monster still. That hasn't, mm-hmm. his aggressiveness has not waned at all. And I love when he knows his race. And he's <laughs> just like, lets people buy when it suits him. And he's like, I'm not even, just go. He and, know, thinks so well. And this was pointed out to me in the comment section. And the people who pointed it out were absolutely right. He should have been in the top three sexiest drivers when we were talking about Charles, Lando, and... Yeah. Whoever else we put in there, a lot of women, rightly so, were like, what are you talking about, Alonzo? Well, with his like, current trajectory, he's going to be number one in like three years. He yeah. gets yeah. so <laughs> much better yeah. looking. When he hits 50, he's like just, a six-time champion and, and looking yeah. like he must uh, be Javier so Bardem. Yeah. Yeah. He has the best celebratory moves. His mm-hmm. celebratory moves are unparalleled. Uh, for the loser, the biggest loser of the season for me is Charles. It's insane to me he, that that man finished fifth in the points. And only one point away from six. Like, Charles Leclerc should not be sixth place. And, of course, I don't think it's his fault. It's Ferrari's fault. But because of them, I think he by far had the most unrealized potential of everyone on the grid this year. And what, five five poles? Four or five poles? And, yes. Yep. And, and fifth, almost sixth in the championship. Charles? Yep. He should, he's got to be in the top three. Locked in his contract for another five years. We just signed him. Biggest winner, I also have Fernando Alonso. Mm. Um, Good pick. uh, Yeah, great pick. Uh, (laughs) Expectations, I think, were just zero. Like, he went in there as just to be kind of a mentor to stroll. You think, like, oh, he's just going to drive for another year. Yeah. He'll have another year of driving. Zero expectations, and he dominated. He had six podiums at the first eight races, so he was just up there. I mean, there's a point where... Looked like you could podium every race. You know, he was just crushing it. Um, he provided some of the best battles that Perez battle in, in Brazil. He had a couple battles with Lewis in the beginning. Um, yeah, just super exciting to watch. And I think there were just no expectations. So he proved he should be there. He wants to be there. Um, 
So he was my biggest. He's fan. also been there so long. He's accumulated all this baggage, which makes it so much more fun. Like we know that he's historically never liked Lewis. Yeah. So when those two are battling, it's just that much more. Ju- like when you see Piastri battle Hamilton, you're like, well, this is fresh. This is new. It's his idol. He's battling. Yeah, it's it's start, different. They're, they're yeah. starting like with a blank slate. Yeah. yeah. But Alonzo's like, it's me again. Oh, <laughs> when yeah. he comes up on Their Lewis. first year together was tumultuous. Yeah. It was cool to all of, you know, different milestones for for Alonzo. They'd say, he hasn't done this in 5,000 days or whatever. It was all these, like, <laughs> they were so old. The last time he did all this stuff was yeah. so long ago. So that was, it was cool. And yeah, he's 42 and crushing, uh. crushing, crushing. Uh, my biggest loser was Checo. Uh <laughs> it hurts, hurts to say. I know, and I it and it's not even his performance as much as just he got ripped on. Um, I think it was made more clear that he's not that great of a driver. He's average, um, and Max is so much better. Um, but we have you know Sargent being re-signed, all these people stepping in doing an average job, and Sergio I think got the most heat and the most calls to be replaced. And yeah. he was in second place all year. They had won the constructors, everything, and just, like, the calls for him to be removed and Danny taking that spot at some point was on the table. I don't know. He just got beat down, I feel like. And he spiraled. I mean, he... We lost he, him. We lost him for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was, uh, he, was gone. he was out to sea there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, so I think it was just a rough year for if, him. If you think about he and Charles, they almost have, like, the absolute opposite dynamic, which is, like, one's a phenom and his team just can't help him and the other guy is okay and he finished second yeah like talk about the power of the team yeah on display yeah my winner i did have max and i will stick to that you have to say it like he just he was just unbelievable and and to have the motivation to keep doing that when you've had you've had the title in the bag almost since the first day of testing but to turn up and be so ruthlessly efficient was really impressive. But I would also give a real good shout out to Alex Albon. Mm, Because he was just so quick and always got more than the car had. You know, he was driving beyond what the car was capable of. And I think he put himself firmly back in the conversation for who could be, you know, second seat at Red Bull again or into a top car. And people might not think of him as a bang to rights number one, for example. But if science went to Audi, when Audi come in and Ferrari needed a number two, like you'd have to look at Albon. He's so good. He's so quick. He's such a lovely guy. He seems completely unaffected. He's just, I I think he's a dude, and I I think he did really well. Even Horner said when I interviewed him, he thought he's now due, he's going to get a big contract. Like that, people know yeah. that he's like he's gonna get taken care of. Yeah, on the next goal. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, he definitely deserves it. And then my biggest loser, and this isn't because of his performance actually, more from the fact that he just gets overlooked, and that's Yuki. Oh, interesting. Because Yuki, when you actually look at it, he has driven really well this season. He's had a couple of mistakes, but generally speaking, he's been really quick, really consistent. For the most part, he's beaten the 14 teammates or whatever he had this season. (laughs) And and yet all of the spotlight is on his teammates. Be it Nick DeVries getting fired, okay, fine. But um, Liam Lawson came in. Yeah, he did a good job, but mostly Yuki was quicker than him. Ricardo the same. Ricardo came in. He's had flashes where you see the old Danny and he's super quick. But very often Yuki's beaten him in practice sessions, qualifying and the race. So I feel like I don't know why Red Bull don't like him, but it seems odd to me that 
he doesn't even get talked of as a possible number two at Red Bull or whatever. And I feel like he's in danger of his career just petering out to nothing, you know, rather than he looks like he's got the talent to get further, but I'm not sure anyone in the paddock seems to recognize it somehow. I think he still struggles greatly with the consistency because again, you're right. Last race of the season, Abu Dhabi, somehow he's qualifying in six or whatever he did and he stays there and he's, he's proper fast. So you go, all right, he can do it, but he, he doesn't do it very consistently. And he also, you know, his move like driving into Liam, just that was just such a bonehead move. It wasn't like, it was just frustration. I think these teams are like, they're, and it's trending. He is getting more consistent, more dependable. And I agree with you. I think he's 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 an undervalued driver in, in many senses. But at the same time, it's like, they're still just waiting for that consistency to hit some critical mass where it's just, he's not there yet. That yeah. seems to be like the last attribute he needs. And maybe he's a loser, not in, he's a loser in terms of it feels like F1 is looking for its next guys already mm -hmm. rather than thinking that he's one of them. So yeah. I feel like the world is sort of moving beyond Yuki, which yeah. is a shame because we love him and he's, he's a great He's character. losing. He's not the loser. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, but I, hopefully he'll get to stick around because he brings money and all that, and that'll be a, he will get an opportunity to, to further level out in the consistency. Yeah. So this brings me to like the last thing I want to chat about before we sign off, because I found that I've been saying this a ton off the show, but I've not actually made this observation during the show, which is I have great fear that this enormous opportunity that has come to be for Formula One over the last five years and Drive to Survive and, and sending us into the sport and forexing the attendance in Austin and adding two different races in the U.S., all of this hype and this momentum, I think if you charted it, it makes total sense. You have this perfect introduction to the sport and the characters with Drive to Survive. People generally start watching right about the time, 2021, that Max and Lewis have the battle for the ages. It's a hotly contested outcome. The races are nail biters. The penalties mean everything. And then two years of complete boredom. And I do think there's a serious conversation to be had for everyone in Formula One that they got to do something pretty dramatic pretty quickly, which is a tricky thing to suggest. And of course, I love Max and I love Red Bull and I don't want them to get fucked arbitrarily. But I do think if they don't keep, if they don't, they have the momentum now, they have the audience and if they don't deliver some races, and I don't know how they do that, whether it's more sprints or the format of the sprint, but I do think something pretty dramatically has to be addressed, or I think this is going to be a bubble. I think if people watch four years of Max winning 19 races, everyone that got interested is going to bounce. I'm curious what you guys think about that. Yeah, I can see that. But because of that, we've had to focus on other storylines. We've had to focus on a battle for 10th. We've had to focus on the bottom of the pack. So... We've kind of just shifted the race. Like, we don't care about who wins anymore. Mm -hmm. But and I think that's the best we can do. I know. I agree. We're nerds, right? Like, your yes. average person, I don't know. I think that was the appeal of Drive to Survive for me was that it doesn't, it matters who wins, but that's just one small piece of the, mm -hmm. the story. Yeah. And so I think if there's people that joined along with us or, you know, the years surrounding it, maybe they can still get some of that story. Um, 
I know we talked about it this year. Like, you don't see Max anymore, even on the television. No, like, you know, ad- Jethro pointed that out. I was like, <laughs> the kind of the worst sponsor in the worst, F1. You're not Max. getting any money. So I think they're trying to at least focus on these other things. We saw so much about the battles for sixth place in the constructor or whatever. So they're trying. Yeah. Um, I do agree that if it's complete domination like this, like there was no hope that anyone would win. No, wait, wait, listen, minimally, when the season is decided 60% of the way through, like even that when there was those moments where they're like, well, statistically or mathematically, it is still possible. But fuck that. We no. knew for three months before it even got to that yeah. point, which we knew it would have taken Checo mm. getting hit by lightning nine times in a row. For, so we all knew mid-season it's over. That's that's. That's not awesome for us. No, mm-hmm. yeah. Just the season's so long now. Like next year, is it 24 races? Mm-hmm. So if you have one car dominate to that extent, it's going to be tough. And I think it's difficult because you can't penalize success just for the sake of penalizing it because it's sport. It's elite sport. That's what it's about. Whoever does the best job wins. And it's, but Formula One's so unique in that it's so wrapped up in technology and human performance. I agree that they need to do something. They're trying to do it with this balance of wind tunnel. So the higher up the constructor's mm-hmm. title you are, the less wind tum- tunnel time you get. So in theory, everyone catches up. But I think the sprint format, they need to mix it up. I don't know how they do it, but once you've decided sprints, they're not part of F1's heritage. So there's something new. So why can't you experiment with four different types of sprints over the course of a season? Because there's no heritage to it. People can't get up in arms because purists already are up in arms about that thing. So... Treat it differently. Think of different solutions. Yeah, since it has no impact, like why not set up a situation where it is conceivable that the sprints get so fun that the viewership of those is higher than the actual race. Like that still benefits them. They pay no price. Um, And then my call to, it's really a call to Red Bull and it's not fair that they would have to make this call. So they're so disincentivized to bring in another driver that's great like Max and then they'll just have DNFs and crashes and team issues, of course. But- I do think this is a little bit like when the government starts telling an industry or a huge company like, hey, y'all, start policing yourself or we will step in. I think that's the point they're at, which is like they might have to do something that doesn't benefit them and is not fun, but ultimately will keep the wolves at bay and keep F1 from going, guys, we're losing viewers by double digits. We're going to have to do something. So I just think they might have to take an outcome that they like not so much to prevent a, a, a way more impactful one coming their way. Yeah. And I think like the point system in the sprint, as long as you just take the points away from the sprint because it extends the point that Max would win the championship. Like when he won in Qatar in the sprint race, it was the worst championship celebration of any sport. And he didn't even win the sprint. He just got no. a point or whatever. He just got a point. <laughs> and then <laughs> you see there was terrible. no one, every other race people crowd around the podium. Yeah. No one crowded around. There must have been a rule at the track that you couldn't. So it was just the weirdest thing. And, like, the only person that celebrated that night was Max. No one else celebrated. It wasn't fun at all, and it's not fun for us. And, like, if it wasn't for the sprint races, the championship could have been won in Vegas in the race, which that could have been an entirely different scenario and the excitement around it all. And I think that if it doesn't happen in the next few years, which we hope it will, something's going to happen in 2026 because that's when all these new rule changes comes in. Audi is going to come in, and... You know, if we just hold on there and they figure out some ways to make it, there could be big changes that happen in 2026. I just think if they're looking at two more years of this, they're looking at a potential fall off of like 40% of the people that came in. Because now it's just the Lewis Mercedes story. And I didn't want to watch it when it was that and no one else. Imagine if Lewis was in the other car or Leclerc. 
or Alonso would change the game overnight. Yeah, or Alonso, it would change it overnight. You would suddenly be desperate to tune in for the first race of next season, desperate mm-hmm. to know what's going to happen in qualifying in the race. I understand why these teams say, well, we don't want two equal first drivers and they'll crash into each other. If no one's watching, it doesn't make any difference. That, so that's for the my, good yeah. of the sport, yeah. yeah, for the good of the sport, I think they have to take that sometimes. Yeah, they have an opportunity to fix it themselves next season. And if they don't, I think there's going to be some measures taken. I think yeah. they should have a a bingo hopper with car parts in it that they have to remove. So they cycle <laughs> through it and you just draw and whatever you, you pick, you have to remove. No more brake pads yeah. for yeah, that's what we got. For Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, there are rumors going around right now that it's in Danny's contract that apparently like three race, who knows, it's probably just a rumor, three races in next season. If Checo's not doing what he needs to be doing, it's immediately going to be switch and Liam goes to Alvatari. But that's who knows? That's the rumor. But, but then still, it's, Danny could be great in that car, but it's, who knows? It could yeah. be, we could be in the same situation. I think Alonzo would be better suited because Alonzo seems stone cold. He seems like nothing's going to phase him mentally. Yeah. Lewis, I feel like, could be phased mentally. He Dan- sometimes Dan- gets a bit hot. Danny could make things interesting. Yeah. I mean, again, he doesn't have his consistency that he had. But again, the, he has these these strokes of brilliance. And I'm mm-hmm. sure he, he, he certainly is not afraid to battle Max. Yeah, he yeah. did it in the past. He'd love to do it again. Um. Well, that's my last thought on it. Uh, We will be back next Wednesday. We're going to do a special Zaddy's advertising episode um, to help stave off the withdrawals that we're all experiencing. Mm -hmm. Hopefully no one yet has the tremors. (laughs) Uh, We'll try to do a soft landing as we get through these way too many weeks. Uh, And until then, I encourage everyone to push, 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 push. 